It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ho, 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 ho. Welcome in to another episode of On the Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield. I have a very, very special guest today. This is my bud, Joe Marino. He is a co-founder of the Draft Network. He is a podcast host many times over, including the illustrious Lockdown Bills, which is the only team podcast I listen to that is not the New England Patriots or Detroit Lions. It's a great podcast. Everyone should check it out. You can find Joe on Twitter at the Joe Marino, and he's also an author as of recently. He wrote a book called Go Bills, which you can find at buffalobillsbook.com, and I know he has another one coming out that is available for pre-order. Joe, how are you, my man? Brett, what's going on, my dude? Good to be on with you. It's been a while since we collaborated on some football conversation for everyone else to hear, right? We talk, yes. we talk a lot uh, between each other, but uh, this one's for everyone else to consume. Yeah, for those that don't know, I mean, Joe is my go-to for draft talk. If I want an outside opinion in my head, it's Joe's, you know. I put Kyle in there, too. Like, I, I really do respect Kyle's takes as well. Um, but I don't talk to Kyle on the phone like I talk to you on the phone. So, <laughs> I get it so, too, you're, so you're my guy, man. Um, and as you know, I mean, you've been doing this for how long now? Close to a decade, right? Draft yeah, stuff? Yes, yeah, right at – this is my 10th year, yes. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so once you become a seasoned vet, the, the less outside noise in your head, the better. So you kind of stop taking in everyone else's opinions. I'm kind of the same way, but yours is the one that I allow in my headspace. So. Good to know. Good to know. I'm gonna I'm gonna really use that to my advantage. Here. So I like <laughs> yeah. I like knowing you. Yeah. Well, real quick before we before we get started, we are gonna preview three prospects for you today. But I want to talk to you about some stuff going on at Fantasy Points, which is our draft guide. Our draft guide will be coming out probably in the middle to end of March. It's gonna have over 150 prospects. We're going every position from. Not just the skill players. I know we are a fantasy company, but I'm doing the deep dive. We're going to hit all the offensive linemen, all the players on the defensive side of the ball, um, and we're, we're going to go deep with it. Um, it's really cool. And then on top of that, we have our data tool coming out. Be on the lookout for this. It's a, it's a must-subscribe. This is going to be a revolutionary tool that changes the consumer space as we know it. Um, all the data is from our team. We chart it all ourselves. Um, that's coming out probably like early summer. So be on the lookout for that. All right, Joe. So today we are going to talk about wide receiver, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. We're going to talk about running back Devin a chain from Texas A&M. We're going to talk about tight end Darnell Washington from Georgia. Um, basically the format I gave you when I asked you to come on the show was like, I need a player you're higher on than most. I need a player you're lower on than most. And then I need one we disagree on. We had a hard time finding that player, so we settled on uh, you just promoing Darnell Washington because that's a guy you love, and I'm I'm kind of on board, although he's my tight end four. So without further ado, Joe Marino, you are on the clock. Let's get it with Tyler Scott, wide receiver from Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm Talk a big fan. Yeah, listen, I'm a big fan of Tyler Scott, wide receiver Cincinnati. I know that everyone was all excited about watching the Bearcats last year with Desmond Ritter and, and a team that ultimately went to the college football playoffs. Uh, but if you kept up with him this year, you know all about Tyler Scott, who 
led the team in receptions, yards, and touchdown catches. Obviously not the same type of season for Cincinnati, but they were a good football team. And I think Tyler Scott was uh, one of the best stories on, on that roster, a guy that comes to Cincinnati and he had a bunch of power five offers. It wasn't like he was a low level recruit. I mean, he had Michigan state, Nebraska, Syracuse, Iowa state, Indiana, among other power five offers. You know, he wanted to stay in Ohio. He goes to Cincinnati and becomes a really good football player for them. I think the name of the game with Tyler Scott is speed. He is explosive. A guy with legit pull away speed to win vertically down the field. I mean, whether it's just running away from people, breaking pursuit angles, not allowing people to get an angle on him. He has that true legitimate speed. And look, speed isn't everything at wide receiver. Brett, you know that if I gave you a list of the the fastest 20 wide receivers in the history of the NFL scouting combine, you're not necessarily going to see a list of the best receivers in NFL history. In fact, you're going to see a lot of guys that really didn't do much in the NFL. What I'd like about Tyler Scott as a guy that, you know, I think it's fair to call him a speedster or a burner is that he's got some nuance to the way he plays the game. He's a really good route runner. It's how he sets up those vertical routes to win down the field. It's when he has that one cut and he's going to hit a post, uh, he's really seamless, and I love how he sets that up. I love how he feels that corner, that whoever's covering him and how they're in their pedal and just kind of is able to read their leverage and, and understands how to set up that break uh, to explode and get even, and he's gone, right? Guys can't run with him. So I love the nuance that goes with his speed, and from there it's also about the ball tracking ability, a guy that can really locate, track, adjust, and get to the football. So it's about the speed, but it's also how he maximizes that speed with route running, with timing, with tempo, right? You you can run a 4-2, that's great. But if you can't adjust your tempos and, and, and the way that you run routes to set up those opportunities to hit that second in for even Tyler Scott, a third gear, it's not going to matter. So he's got speed to the ball, and he, he really understands how to use his athleticism. And when you can win vertically like a Tyler Scott, it opens up so much in terms of breaking yes. off routes and working back down this, this stem and working horizontal routes. And so I think this the full route trees at Tyler Scott's disposal. And I think a lot of that is set up because of the respect that corners and, and you know defenses have to have for his ability to just simply get behind them. And so he really maximizes that. Um, yards after catch, absolutely. Um, not that he's going to survive a lot of contact. He's not a tackle breaker or anything like that. But just getting the football in his hands and his ability to accelerate quickly and be decisive and see the field well leads to a lot of moments where he catches the football and guys just don't get a hand on him. He's able to just run away from people. Um, and so it's it's how he just maximizes that athletic profile. It's the season that he had this past year at Cincinnati. And as you consider this wide receiver class, maybe there's a few guys you'd be willing to entertain in the first round. But I think this year and, and something that's proven to be a good strategy for teams over the last several years is, hey, wait on that wide receiver. Maybe you'll get a George Pickens. Maybe you'll get a Debo Samuel, a DK Metcalf, an A.J. Brown, a Terry McLaurin, right? These are all day two picks, man. Deontay Johnson. Sure, yeah, keep on going. I, I, there's so <laughs> many of them, you know what I mean? And so I think that Tyler Scott is that perfect, hey, you know what? We like Jordan Addison. We like Quinton Johnson in the first round. But you know what you really like is getting another player in the first round at a different position and falling back on a guy like Tyler Scott in the second round who I think has a lot of Tyler Lockett to his game that I think will be an outstanding number two wide receiver for a team on a cost control rookie deal. That's going to really provide a lot of value in production. Everything you just said is, I, I agree with it actually. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how aligned we are with Tyler Scott. 
when I jumped into his tape for the first time, Joe, I, I don't know why, but I had a low expectation of what I was going to see. And I think some of it had to do with when I watched Pierce last year, Alec Pierce, that is. Yeah. Um, I just don't remember Tyler Scott making all these plays. Now, obviously he did take a step forward this year and was a little bit more productive despite missing two games, but man, I'm a sucker for those guys that can win vertically. I talked about it on the pod yesterday. We were doing Jalen Hyatt. And anytime you have a guy that can fundamentally change the way a defense plays you. Math changers. Math changers. Yes. And you, you get them away from what they want to do or what they do best. Oh, my gosh. You, you, whether, whether you catch five balls for 120 yards or two for 20, you're producing for your, for your team because yep. you're changing the way they have to play you. Like you said, it opens the door for so many things. The thing that really struck me, though, with Scott, man, is he's not just speed, like you said. The the route nuance, the, the ability to sink his hips and explode out of his breaks was incredible. He does this one thing, Joe. I'm sure you saw this a hundred times. I would say his best route that he runs is a post route. Yes. And he, it's because he can threaten the outside shoulder of the corner so well that they have to respect it. And so when he, when he faints just slightly to the outside, like he's attacking that shoulder, they they panic and and they get all twisted around and he and he you know he he hits a really explosive break and literally so many plays where he hits that post route and he's wide open down the middle of the field and it was not because of a busted coverage it was a legitimate route running and separation that did it um, and then he has the speed to make you pay for those mistakes you know yeah dude I love that point because there's ways to cap and play over top of a guy that can just run straight and and get fast mm-hmm. and get open down the field but. That post route opens up a lot against cover three quarters coverage, right? Like you can, you can find ways to maximize his ability to produce based on that route tree. And man, I love what you, you brought up there about how he changes the way that defenses are going to play, right? When you can dictate terms yep. as an offense because of a skill set, that's huge because now they're stressed in ways that they're not comfortable and that makes everybody else better. The spacing of your offense is better when you have a player like this. And I, I, I like to come back to the phrase like constipating your offense, right? If you don't have enough unique skill sets, if you don't have enough speed to vertically lift, you know, you're really going to have to make it. It's, it's tough to play, play offense in a box, right? Like you've got, you got a full football field that you want to be able to have access to and stress. And, and if you don't have skill sets like this on your offense, you're really condensing that box and making it a lot easier to play defense against you. Yeah, it's truly that's that's the name of the game. It's almost like in MMA, it's the same way. Like <laughs> I always make these weird comparisons, but like MMA is all about surprising your opponent and and dictating terms. So uh, yes, having a guy that can dictate terms totally changes the offense. Just you're seeing teams do this, right? They have all identified this as like people want to recreate Tyree Kill, and I'm not saying this guy's Tyree Kill at all, but like that's the vibe you want to you want to bring to your team. It, it creates like Amon Ross St. Brown gets better because Jamison Williams is going to be on oh, the field. Oh man, next year. I can't wait to see um, that dude with Ben Johnson. Woo! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lions are Lions offense is a, is a treat for me every week, man. I make that a priority to go back and watch that with Ben and can't wait yeah. to see what Jamison Williams does over there. For sure. Um, all right. So last thing on Tyler Scott, anything about his game that you're concerned about things you'd like to see him clean up or, or anything that sticks out to you as a, a that could lead to a, a tricky transition to the NFL. Yeah, I think there's some dynamics here that concern me. Um, first of all, I mean, he's got a lean build. He's listed at 5'11", 185, right? Which 
maybe, <laughs> maybe he's five eleven. maybe he's around yeah. 180 pounds. Uh, so he's got that lean frame and, and again, play strength. I don't think is ever going to be a strength of his, like dealing with contact as a route runner. He's not going to survive a lot of contact with the ball in his hands. Like those are definitely dynamics that he'll be, we'll have to be mindful of with him. And I think the way that the game is played today certainly helps a player like Tyler Scott, but it's, it's worth noting that. And then I, I think there's some incons- inconsistency with his, with his hands, right? I think there's some drop issues that you have to acknowledge. Yeah. And it's, it's important to, to note that there's a difference between ball skills and hands, right? There's, being yes. able to get to the football and put yourself in good positions to to catch, but then there's actually catching. And for Tyler Scott, as I looked at a lot of his drops, it felt like just grip strength, squeezing the football, securing it, securing it to his frame. I didn't notice like issues with technique in terms of how he greets the football with his hands. It was like just finishing that catch, squeeze that ball to your to your chest after you secure it. So just kind of sharpening that up. So if I had concerns, it's the lean lean frame, it's the play strength, and then we got to clean up some drops here. Yeah, the lean frame is interesting, too, because five years ago, this would be a massive issue. But recently, yeah. we've seen this interjection of, like, really skinny dudes. Yeah, Obviously, Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, one of them. But, I mean, even Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last yeah. year, like, these guys are these guys are slim. I actually see some similarity between him and Olave's game. Do you see that as well yeah. or no? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, that, that ability to win vertical is very, very similar. And I think maybe even frame-wise, there's some, some parallels there as well. Yeah. Right on. All right. We're going to move on. But before we do, I have to get to our paid sponsor, which is Underdog. If you love the NFL draft, I'm pretty sure you also enjoy fantasy drafts. Today, you can enter contest Underdog Fantasy for prize pools of $1 million. That's right. 2023 drafts are open and you can get into the action with our special offer that will double your first time deposit of up to $100. If you use our code Fantasy. PTS. So F A N T A S Y P T S. Your $100 first time deposit will be matched. There's never been an easier way to get in the game than right now with underdog fantasy football. Hit those best ball drafts and get after it. All right, real quick on I wanted to actually ask you one more question on Tyler Scott. Gun to your head. You're you're the Los Angeles Chargers. And you've decided we have to get a field stretcher on our team this year. We got to maximize Justin Herbert's rocket ship arm. Um, so we're we're gonna get that guy in the draft. Would you rather go Jalen Hyatt at number twenty one overall, or take Tyler Scott in the fifties? Oh, if you if I if I'm guaranteed I can get Tyler Scott in the fifties, yes. yeah, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get another player at a different position, maybe even a tight end. Could you imagine one of those dynamic tight ends oh. this year and a Tyler Scott for this offense, like? That gets yes. me excited. It what's what's could be true here is they could do Jalen Hyatt and then come back and get a tight end. True, or, you know, for as much as we love these tight ends, and we'll we'll get we'll get to Darnell Washington here in just a little bit. It's not normal for there to be three first tight end first round tight ends, right? That's that's not a, a very common thing, and so more than likely they're gonna they're gonna fall a little bit. You're gonna get a really really good player potentially into the 50s. So I think those are some really fun. Um, combination considerations that you can have and and for a team like the chargers that that could be well in play yes i agree all right cool now we're going to get to a player that you are a little bit lower on than most um his name is devin a chain a chain of texas a&m maybe we should just call him a train like i think uh, if we just go with every possible pronunciation of the last name we will hit it correctly at some point and and that'll save us from some from from the the inevitable uh, feedback that we'll get so yes yes all right so (laughs) texas a&m running back 
Joe, this is an undersized dude. I'm sure that's a starting point yeah. for your concern, but yeah. hit hit me with it. Devin A. Chain, running back, Texas A&M. Good player, Brett. I, I like him. I, I, I appreciate the skill set that he offers. If you want a speed dynamic for your backfield, if you're looking to be become more explosive offensively, then Devin A. Chain is going to be a really nice option for you. But I want to be realistic about the valuation here of the skill set. We're talking about a back that's listed at 5'9", 185. Yikes, right? That, that's, that should give you some concerns. And it's not that I don't think there's ways for him to be productive and add value and, and do a lot of the same stuff we talked about with Tyler Scott that made him really appealing. But we're also talking about a running back. And so I look at Dev, Devin A-Chain more as a complementary player, right, as a guy that you pair – with somebody else in your backfield to offer a different type of skill set. Uh, because I don't think this is a player that's going to consistently be a between the tackles runner. I don't think that he's a guy Shouldn't that's going to help you in pass protection at all. Right. And like, I know that it's never sexy to talk about pass pro for running backs, but if they want to play in the NFL, it's, it's a necessity. And if you're a, if you're a specialized player and on passing downs, you're on the field only to catch footballs, right? Like, Special specialization uh, increases predictability and it re- minimizes your own strengths, right? And I think that even for as much as Devin A. Chain profiles as a guy that should be able to help you in the passing game, I think you could fairly come away with some disappointment with how productive he wasn't as a pass catcher for Texas A&M when I kind of felt like they needed that from him in, in more ways than they got. So uh, with A. Chain, it's just about, hey, look, I've got a 5'9", 180-pound back. Let's be realistic about the type of role that he should command at the next level and let's appropriately value him. And so for those reasons, it kind of pushes me into this thought process that, hey, this is more of like a fourth round player when I start talking about him as opposed to one of the second, you know, second or third running back off the board, like I see in some rankings and then some mock drafts. Yeah, I, he's tough to me because like you said, you started this by saying good player. I totally agree with that. Yeah. The The issue for me is like, where does he actually slot in this draft? Like I, I mean, it's, it's really, really tough. Cause I, I don't think you can draft a player on day one or two. That's going to play what 20% of your snaps at yeah. most. Correct. Um, I will say this though, priest or sorry, in the off season, I said that I thought he should transition to receiver or push, push his team to put him there to slot receiver. I said it again in November, and I'm saying it again now. I don't know why. He he clearly has the movement skills to be a legitimate route runner. This isn't like I know people always do this with smaller running backs. Oh, make him a slot receiver. They did this with Tony Pollard too, right? It's just not feasible for most running backs. They don't have the the refined route running ability. I think he does. Uh, I would love to see a team take a chance on and trying to transition him to receiver, playing him in the slot, getting a little bit of explosiveness out of that slot player. Um, you can still use them in the run game. You can still use them on gadget plays, end arounds, jet sweeps, whatever you want. Um, I, I I would love to see him in like a, a souped up Isaiah McKenzie role, so to speak. Um, that said, where I mean, a comp I had for him was Kenneth Gainwell. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I I, I like that. I think um, I'm actually looking at my scouting report. The the comp that I have written down is Lamichael James. Um, okay. Back from the 2012 draft. I don't, I'm not sure how he's even are. smaller than him. So yeah. Well, I, I wonder if when we get an official measurement on a chain, if he doesn't come in <laughs> kind of where, well, Michael James came from and, and like, 
I think that speaks to the valuation that I have on him, right? Where, well, Michael James, you could really get excited about all the stuff that you just talked about with the return stuff, the pass catching, yeah. the jet sweeps, the motion, the horizontal stress that he can place on a team. Um, but at the end of the day, is like, where's the volume? Where, like, what yep. can you realistically get in terms of volume here that should drive the valuation of the player? Yeah. So, yeah, that's spot on. I mean, I, I threw out Gainwell because Gainwell was what a fourth round pick, mm-hmm. um, and everyone loved him. Uh, Watch him play. I mean, he was so fun. I mean, yeah, physical, angry, like did a lot of different things. I understand that. Yeah. So. I guess point being is that's kind of where I'm get, I get comfortable with a chain is probably in the fourth round, early day three. Um, the, the round one discussion is kind of crazy to me. And then even early day two is just my, like, I just don't, I don't see it at all. So I think the big difference with Gainwell for me is just like, there's a density to his frame. We're talking like five, eight, 200 pounds with Gainwell. Yeah. And a chain is going to be, if he's one ninety, I'd be surprised. True. If he's 190 at the combine, he won't run. Right. <laughs> it's right. It's he's trying to get a measurement, but in reality, I think we're talking about a back in the 180 pound range and just yep. go through the list. Somebody produced a list of 180 pound running backs in the NFL that are like meaningful. Uh, Sproles. Offense. Wood Sproles but he way. was really dense. I Darren Sproles. I bet you he was, he was five, six, I think. So yeah, but he was like, I think he was over 200 pounds. He, was he uh, really? Holy cow. He, five, six, one ninety. Okay. That's a ball of muscle. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> there, five, being being 5'11", 190 versus 5'6", 190 is just really different. It is. Yeah, I mean, you could see it in Sproles' lower half, too. Like, he had developed leg muscles, Dude. you know? Dude. <laughs> so, yes. Um, all right. Where do you see – like, what's a good landing spot for him? Have you thought about this at all? Team-wise or, or round-wise? Team-wise, team yeah. Sorry. I mean, give me give me a a situation where you got I, I don't Pittsburgh. Mm. I, I I don't know, and that that's I have concerns about that offense maximizing him. But I think about with a with a back like that, like you you want to pair him with one of those downhill players, um, Detroit to go. I don't yeah. know if they're going to bring back Jamal Williams. Uh, the Panthers roll with Deonta Foreman, like having this guy as your as your complimentary piece. So guys with teams with those more physical downhill backs, get yourself an A chain to go with them. And I think you can really love your one, two punch. Yep. I like that. All right, cool. Let's, let's move on to, to Darnell Washington. Um, tight end from Georgia. He currently sits on my board as my tight end four, yeah. but I love him. It's yeah. rare. I love four tight ends in one draft class. Um, like he's, I have a just outside of a first round grade on him. So early second round grade, um, Joe, Tell me what you're seeing. I see a really unique football player in, in Darnell Washington. Um, not just because he wears number zero and is six foot seven, <laughs> 270 pounds, but that is a fun dynamic of, of watching him on tape. I, I just, I love the ways that I think he can help an offense. Um, being six foot seven, 270 pounds. You immediately feel good about what he can do as an inline blocker. And as we see, and I know that's boring, right? Nobody wants to hear about inline blocking and tight ends and why that makes me love a player. But yeah, so, but he- hear me out on this. All these teams in the NFL that are running outside zone, you have to be able to win the edge, right? You have to as in the run game. And and 
having a guy like Darnell Washington that can do that with consistency is going to be big for your ability to run that outside zone. But then it's about everything off of that, right? It's it's being able to maximize that blocking ability, which also shows up in pass protection. But but he's a good receiver. Like he is. He's I mean, no, he's not gonna be uh Dalton Kincaid uh, or Luke Musgrave as a as a as a route runner. Like that's not who he's gonna be. But right. his catch radius is unmatched in this class. He plays every bit of six seven, two seventy. I think he's really smart in being able to find space and sit in zones, which is a really important skill, right? Like that that's that's why the slot position's hard to figure out for a lot of teams. Um, you know, I, I, I watched the New England Patriots for a billion years have Wes Welker and Julian Edelman play in the slot, and you get frustrated because you're like, why can't every single team find this guy that can run an option route and just get open over and 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 over again? But they can't do it because there's a ability to process coverage and, 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 and understand leverage and understand rotations and understand where you need to be on schedule to make those easy completions. It's not just to put anybody in there, right? And yep. so that's... And that's why even I thought to myself, well, Welker and Edelman, those guys are not dynamic athletes. You know, what what happens if they got a dynamic athlete to go into that spot? (laughs) It's the processing ability. And I know that it's weird that I'm invoking those names to talk about Darnell Washington, but I think he he does have that savvy ability to understand zone coverage and where to put himself to be an available target to keep the chains moving. And then, of course, he's got that catch radius. He's got that ability to really stress the seam and and be be a guy that you you feel like you can trust him to get that leverage in the intermediate parts of the field and win at the catch point. So it's that blocking skill and what I think he's going to mean to your run scheme and that outside zone ability, but then it's it is the catch radius and the size and I mean athleticism for 67 270 is pretty doggone impressive too. So there's just a lot to like about this player and um you know I I've I've seen enough teams want to run outside zone that they can't win the edge. Well, this is a guy that changes that for you. Absolutely. One thing I didn't hear you mention was red zone ability. I mean, this dude is a massive target in the red zone. Um, you know, between the twenties specific, or sorry, outside of the twenties specifically, he's going to give you that run blocking dynamic to to cram the ball in, or he's going to give you that big target in the in the end zone for your quarterback. Um, Washington is interesting for me. You broke down his ability to to beat zone. When I evaluate tight ends, that's my starting point. Hmm. Um, you can't be considered a good tight end. Uh, like I, You're not going to score well in my system if you can't beat zone. What then takes guys over the top for me is if they can also beat man. And while he's not going to separate away, like you said, he's not the same route runner as Kincaid or Musgrave. He's not going to be a separator. His size and his frame, Joe, allows him to beat man, especially if you're going to have a linebacker matched up on him, yeah. like he's going to outwork and out athleticism that guy. Most, most of the time, especially as linebackers get smaller. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Exactly. Um, so Washington's he's, he's a huge win. There, there's so many teams I'd like to see him on, <laughs> but um, Miami. Oh, Miami would be great. I, I mean, this is everything they need a tight end. This, this was the yep. problem with their run game is that Gusecki can't block anybody, right? That's yep. been, if you watched him at Penn state, you knew that he hadn't gotten better. You yep. know, they have – who's the – Well, he played uh, slot for his first three years in the league. Let, so. Yeah, let's be real. Yeah. He's really a slot receiver. Yeah. Um, who they have? Dalton – not Schultz. Durant Snythe. Yeah. Not not a not a guy that wins. You know, Hunter Long, not not <laughs> not doing it, right? Like, yeah. this is the answer to their tight end problems if they were it's able true. to land him. 
It's true. Um, I think that'd be a great fit. I also think like we already mentioned Detroit with a cane or a chain, but I mean, they traded Hawkinson. They're they're kind of running a committee, and the committee's working for them. Yeah. But the the physical brand of football they want to play, and they they love throwing to those tight ends in the red zone, but they don't really throw to them outside of the red zone. Yeah. Uh, I it's almost like a perfect fit, you know that. And they and they do a lot. They do some outside zone, but they also you know run a lot of power and counter type stuff. And Washington has it that oh, athleticism yeah. to get to the second level and yep. and track down a safety or track dig a linebacker out like he. He can fully do that stuff. I just feel like it's almost a perfect scheme fit for Washington and Detroit. How about how about Cincinnati? You know, oh, they, God, they've got yeah. some tough decisions to make there. And Hayden Hurst was a great season, right? But yeah, maybe the the consequence of that great season is it's great for Hayden Hurst, but it's not great for the Cincinnati Bengals who are <laughs> looking at a ton of contracts that they got to give out, right? And so you you think about getting cheaper at at the tight end position. Darnell Washington's going to certainly help their run game, but you know, talk about pairing him with a Joe Burrow and, and maximizing catch radius. I mean, that's, yep. that's pretty dreamy. Absolutely. And everyone's already mocking, you know, Maher to them or Maher, sorry. Or uh, I've seen Kincaid getting mocked there, but like uh, what, you could maybe lay back a little bit and get Washington sure. in the second round. That'd be sure. Be great. Speaking of that, where do you have Washington coming off the board? Where do you, where do you see him realistically being drafted? I think he's probably, I think he's probably a, a early second round. I don't know that he gets like late into the second round. I, I, I could see. I don't know, man. Like I, I think teams will ultimately value the athleticism that you get from a Kincaid, a Mayor Musgrave. And so maybe he is tight end four, um, which I can understand, but I just, there's too many, there's too many spots in that second round where he just makes too much sense where I, I don't think that he lasted. Look at the chargers. Like we, we talked about, them with the pass catchers, but even the same type of deal here where yep. this would be a great skill set for them to add. It, it would be. Um, all right. Let's wrap it, Joe. That was awesome. I'm so glad you came on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for the invite, of course. You know, I'm, I'm uh, always willing to talk ball with you, my guy. I think this you were my second guest on this pod on the clock. I think you were my second guest on my other pod, Take Talk, as well. Wow. So I, I just... I guess when I start a pot, I'm like, I need Joe Marino in my life to give yeah. me that security. Specifically for the second ep- episode. I'm security yeah. like Darnell Washington. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. This is a daily draft podcast. So I'll be here five days a week, every week, all the way up until the draft. I will have other guests on. I'm sure Joe will join us again at some point. Uh, we got a bunch of awesome people playing for you guys. It's, it's really going to be a great few months. So thanks again for listening. And we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.